Welcome to the Value Investor TV podcast. This is the podcast that helps you grow your wealth and become financially independent. My name is Becco and my partner, Hari. Hello. Uh, welcome to this podcast. We're going to be talking about Kraft Heinz Part 2. Um, this episode, we are covering financials, management, and valuation. Uh, as always, we're going through our value investor checklist. So if you guys don't have the access, uh, please send us an email at info at valueinvestor.org uh, to, uh, to get our checklist. And uh, another housekeeping item that uh, I want to mention up, up front is we created a Slack channel so that everyone can come to Slack channel, all of our listeners, and talk to us directly. Uh, any questions or comments you guys have about the podcast or any subjects that you guys think is interesting, uh, you can send it to us, share amongst each other, uh, propose uh, ideas to talk about in our next episode, uh, share interesting articles, uh, things of that sort. So if you guys want to be part of this community, uh, Slack community, please join us uh, uh, and, and email us at uh, info at valueinvestor.org. Okay, before we start, Hari, as always, can you give us a quick disclaimer? Yeah, this is the Value Investor TV podcast. We are here to educate you and entertain you on the uh, finer points of value investing. We do not um, are not financial advisors. We don't know your specific financial situation. So before making any investments, if uh, appropriate, please consult with the appropriate advisor. Great. All right, uh, Kraft Heinz. You know we we talked about a couple of couple of major bullet points uh, in the last episode. Uh, namely the competitive advantage, as well as the fact that uh, you felt, um, you know, uneasy reading through their 10K. Yeah, right. Uh, those two points are, I think, important to reiterate in this episode up front. Do you want to mention them really quickly up front here yeah. in this episode as well, Hari? Yeah, just their annual report is not very clear. It doesn't have a lot of detail about what the business is or competitive advantages or their thought processes. So, uh, you know, if you haven't heard, you know, um, that previous episode, I'd listen to it first because I think this will make a lot more sense going forward. Um, and, you know, for the most part, um, you know, we, we had talked about how the brand had been kind of fading um, uh, in people's minds for the last um, 10, 15 years. And so I, I think Kraft Heinz is kind of a... Uh, a company that doesn't have the same, um, uh, you know, vigor that it used to. Um, and so we're kind of looking at an, a fading company right now. Um, mm -hmm. and, and sometimes that means that you have the opportunity to make money. Uh, other times, though, it could mean that it's just something to avoid, right? So that's kind of what we're going to talk about here. Sure. That sounds great. Okay. Uh, let's jump into our checklist. So... First question off the bat to you, Hari. Does the company have enough cash to maintain this business? Yeah, um, you know they have a uh, about a billion dollars um, in uh, on the on the balance sheet, and you know they generate free cash flow right now of about two and a half billion, or I'm sorry, one one billion, one and a half billion. Um, so they are you know cash flow positive. They have lots of uh, they have cash on hand. But they also have about thirty billion in debt. So I'm I'm kind of answering all three of these questions together. Sure. Um, because, uh, um, you know, I, I think it has. They all kind of go together. So, um, 
you know, and, and to give you an idea, they have one and a half billion in debt due this year, six billion, six and a half billion due in 2020 to 10, 2021, eight billion due 2022 to 2023, and greater than 30 billion due after 2024. Um, you know, so that includes mm. all their lease obligations and so on. Mm. Uh, you know, so in the next few years, they're going to actually have some financial pressure as well to you know kind of preserve cash or renegotiate um this debt uh and i mean I, like i said i you know i've already passed on this company as a, a potential investment for me um so i haven't dug into a lot of the details about why you know this you know what what would happen in these you know various situations um and we've also haven't really talked about you know, why, what was Buffett's attraction to this business in the first place, which I'm not going to speculate why he chose it. I mean, I assume it was because it was a good brand and so on. Um, you, you know, but when I look at these numbers and re- compare it to the market cap, I don't see a cash generating machine that, you know, is super cheap or anything like that. Um, there's no risk today of it falling apart, but in the future, you know, I, I think it's, they're going to take some severe hits so yeah just uh just some context i mean it looks like you know one billion dollar in cash in the balance balance sheet free cash flow 1.5 and to maintain the business the capex was what about a billion just about billion right yeah the, it was free cash flow so after the capex so okay so free cash flow of 1.5 even then i mean the debt level is 30 billion total and you have you know, 1.5 coming up very soon and then 6 billion coming up very soon as well. So, you know, either you refinance it like you mentioned, or, you know, they do another offering, you know, they, they issue more shares, something along those lines for, to, to solve this immediate kind of impending, you know, debt obligations. But, you know, all, all that to say, it seems like the, it seems, it, it seems very unhealthy at this point. You know, there's, there's a lot of debt free cash flow relatively stable it's not growing much either no it's not growing and neither is their revenue so there's not a whole lot of light at the end of the tunnel here that oh they just need to get through these couple years and then things will pick up i mean it's an iconic brand but that brand is you know past its prime right Mm -hmm. so hard to say that there's going to be something that you would just that leaps out at you and says Oh, they're cheap, you know, or mm. I, all they have to do is, you know, people are ignoring these things about them. So, yeah, I think another interesting kind of thought process that we could do here just really quickly is let's say you're, you know, you're the chairman of, of Kraft Heinz, or CEO of Kraft Heinz. You, you have the, you have the authority and obligation to you know, protect, protect shareholders and direct the ship in the right direction. At this point, what would be your prescriptive advice what would you do if you're in this position, given given all the things that you know? Well, I mean, right now you have to suspend your dividend and start paying down your debt. You know, they pay about $3 billion in dividends. Um, I, they need to find a way to invest in the 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 business itself. Like the, the brands have to get replenished, right? And they have to start looking at, their existing brands and saying, what can we do to improve um, their market share and their, their mind share and so on. Um, And, 
I, I, I mean, honestly, if I were the CEO of this company, I would, I would basically say, you know, I would quit. <laughs> oh my god! Because <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to do this job. Oh my god! That is the best, honest answer. And the way you said it there was so funny. You thought hard about it, and this is your genuine answer. I mean, look, there are certain jobs where oh it's not... Oh, my God, Ari. That was so funny. Uh, it's not worth great. a headache. It's not worth a headache. That was great. <laughs> I thought you were going to come up with some, you know, some, some genius Hari moment. I did. You know, I would do this and this, but but no, no, that was not that was not his answer. No, his no, answer I, was it's opportunity. Clear and simple. <laughs> it's opportunity cost. I'm working there. I'm not working somewhere fun. So, oh, uh, uh, that's funny. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of all you know. All this is all 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 this is saying that yeah, there's a lot of trouble here right i mean this this is yeah and it, this is a I'm, lot of baggage that you have to carry with you i'm not saying that it's right around the corner but it's it's in the future right i, I yeah. mean they're yeah, sure. they're not on the upswing at this point and yeah you've got to clean things up and you know i, I mean what we didn't mention was that heinz and Kraft were kind of merged together from 3g and berkshire hathaway mm. and 3G is kind of has this reputation for where, you know, they do a lot of financial house cleaning to kind of lower costs and do these, you know, this thing. And they're a private equity group, right? And private equity is, you know, is generally pretty bad, right, at what they do. Like, bad for know, the company. Well, bad for everything, right? They don't, uh, you know, private equity doesn't beat the index funds, uh, you know, in the long term. And, you know, when you load up a company with debt, which is what they've done here, and then you don't, you kind of undercut the business. I mean, this is Toys R Us, right? I've mentioned Toys R Us many, many times. You had an iconic brand that was functional, that was doing very well, um, that had a lot of mind share um, and was very profitable. And you just slowly keep cutting until at some point it's no longer good, right? And then it all kinds of falls apart really fast after that happens. Well, it doesn't happen overnight. It happens over a period. It unravels. Period. Yeah, but it slowly unravels. And, you know, I think that's essentially what's happened here is mm. this is a brand. It's slowly unraveling. And, you know, maybe 10 years from now, we're going to be looking at a very different company. So, yeah, for sure. I was just looking at their balance sheet over time. It looks like from 2014, the debt level was, you know, it wasn't 30 billion it was around 13 billion and they jumped from 13 billion to 31 billion yeah that's in a matter when of four or five years that's when 3g took over yeah so and also given the context of low interest environment you know they're just loading up on debt right so yeah and you know when interest rates are going up that i mean yeah. that 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 really is painful for these companies and i want to mention something you're not something that we don't do often in this podcast, but I think it's important to mention is, you know, companies who are loaded up in debt is very, very, you know, it's, it's risky, especially, and you, you see a lot of them, right? Over the course of, you know, past 10 years in the low interest environment, an easy way to juice up your returns was to load up on debt, you know, be, a, be it for private equity or not. <clears throat> a lot of executives did that for, you know, to juice up the earnings, right? And so, yep. 
I think you have to be very, very careful when you analyze companies and look at debt with you know with with uh with critical eyes not that debt debt as a whole blanketly is a bad thing but i think especially at you know in today's time you know where we had 10 years of low interest environment and now you know we're kind of going through that still but um i think it's super important to keep that um kind of macro context in mind when we're analyzing companies yeah i i really feel like this is you know we've talked about businesses that have kind of in the later stages of their life, like GameStop, uh, we had mentioned GameStop. We had talked about, um, I'm trying to remember some of the other ones that we've seen. And, you know, there's, there's opportunities to make money in these when the market overreacts to certain, you know, behaviors, right? And yeah. when you look at companies that are good, but are underappreciated, um, you know, you want to see things like still has a very solid cash flow, still has, um, you know, and they're they have excess capital essentially, right? That they can deploy uh, back to their shareholders through buybacks, through dividends, and so on. So these guys pay a dividend, but they don't pay. Uh, they haven't done any shareholder buybacks, right? And so when I'm looking at a company like this, right, I, I'm looking at a company that's fading. And I see a large amount of debt that's in their thing. What did they use that for, right? That was used to fund the purchase of this business. Me as a shareholder gets nothing from that, right? I now you, basically... You're promised the future cash flow. Correct. I'm prom I have promises of future cash flow which are not there anymore, right? So if I see somebody come in and they're a big player and they're loading up on debt, it was so it was to finance the transaction that they've made right you know they've basically stuck this company with it and the private equity firm has no liability at this point so if craft fails as toys r us fails the only thing that hit, gets hit is toys r us right yeah so shareholders of yeah, toys r us yeah and so when i look at it i'm going to stay away from businesses like this right I, and craft is you know it's like, like toys r us it it you know, they, they bought it and they took them 15 years to make this thing unravel, right? I mean, but given what we've all talked about, you know, this for this last hour or so, I mean, do you feel comfortable owning this company for the next 15 years or five years or 10 years? I mean, I certainly don't. I can't predict what's going to be because they have this giant elephant, you know, uh, in the room, right? Yeah. Which is how are they going to pay all of this off? Yeah, sure. They can do some financial manipulation and they can clean this up and whatever, but to what end? Who cares? At the end of the day, it's slowly eroding revenue um, that will eventually, you know, be able to answer, you know, un unable to satisfy their debt obligations. Maybe it's five years, maybe it's 10 years, but I don't really care and I don't really need to know because I'm not going to invest in it, right? Yeah. I mean, to, to the point that I want to just piggyback on the point that you mentioned, which is, you know, you, we took on this debt to finance the future growth, but we're not seeing there's nothing there, like you, like you said, yep. right? If there was something there, yes. I mean, that transaction could have been good, right? Debt right. is not necessarily a bad thing, but when you're using debt to purchase an asset, a brand or a company that isn't growing, it doesn't justify, it doesn't warrant you taking out that much money. 
to buy these assets. And now you're saddled with $30 billion worth of debt. And how do you get out of this? It's a, you know, it's pretty, pretty difficult. You know, it's incredibly difficult task at hand. Yeah. And I I would also say that about 1.3 billion or 1.5 billion of their uh, income is going to interest, right? So their, their operating income goes to interest. And so, I mean, if you cut this debt to where it was in 2014 of 13 billion, that's a lot better, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that would cut this in half. You'd have about six, seven hundred million in extra in cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. You know, because it's basically just stripped out from interest expense. So, I, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, we've talked a lot of negative things about this company. I don't know that there's a lot of things that I could really see that I have insight into that makes me think, oh, all they have to do is clean this up, right? I mean, Berkshire. You know, Warren Buffett even made the comment that, you know, he overpaid for Kraft, right? And, uh, you know, I, I would say that, um, you know, I, I don't know what he purchased it at and what he, you know, his average cost is. And he's gotten dividends and all of those things. I'm not, I, I, I just don't know that I have any special thing in here that says, man, I should just, all I have to do is work harder and I'll understand what's going on here, right? Mm-hmm. I think... Mm-hmm. Buffett, like every investor, looked at this as said, this is an iconic brand and it has value. And he said that about IBM and he said that about other companies that, you know, he was wrong about. Right. And I think it's the same mistake that any of us could make. I mean, it's I'm not saying he's lost a step or anything like that. He's certainly the world's still the world's greatest investor. Um, But I, I mean, I think this is the kind of risk that we can't completely mitigate. Right. What is the future going to hold for the moat, right? Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, we spend our entire, almost the entire episode talking about that, right? And Yeah, and, for sure. You know, if yep. knowing what the moat is going to be is what's allows us to make sure that we're comfortable with our investment. Yeah, for sure. And if I can transpose what we talked about in the last episode, not this, uh, not, not about Kraft Heinz, but about the uh, Transheim group. You know, we, we identified a strong moat, right? Moat wasn't the issue, but it was the debt that was an issue right? for that company. What we're seeing here at play is it's both. Yeah. You have problems on both ends. You have a problem on the business end, but you also have the problem on the balance sheet end. Uh, so it's a, it's a tough, it's a tough situation to be in for sure. Yeah. And I, I again, I'm not trying to pr- propose that this company is you know, completely out of, um, you know, going to be screwed. Right. But I, I, I feel like at the end of the day, they just don't generate enough cash to justify, you know, my current valuation. And even if this were half the price, you know, you know, like we, we are trying to figure out whether there's a margin of safety and, you know, all of that stuff. I don't even know that there is a, you know, you have a bad business, you have a lot of debt, any cash that's going to come in is going to have to go out to service that, is going to have to go and patch up whatever, you know, you keep the business itself propped up. Um, And they are, um, you know, I I haven't mentioned this, but they had to restate their annual report um, because of lax controls in their, uh, you know, in their... uh, 
expense uh, accounting. And so, you know, they were essentially saying that things that were, they were uh, buying were not well controlled price wise. So they had to restate earnings for 2018 and 2017. And so I'm like, this is a business that's got a lot of problems. It's not, uh, you know, the guy who's running it, the CEO is stepping down to go uh, somewhere else uh, to go back to 3G as part of as a partner. So he basically just said, I give up. Right. Um, and I don't know specifically what his rule, you know, but he's moving back to to be with uh, the 3G group. So I, I just look at it and I just tell myself. There's so many red flags. I'm not even going to proceed right i've already stopped a long time ago because i hated their annual report but you know when you find so many red flags in a company i can't say that i'm you know i would just start looking elsewhere is how how i how i can put it maybe there's something to be had here that i'm missing right and it's okay to miss it's okay to miss the the investment that's cheap um you know, if you don't understand it and I, I just don't. So yeah, uh, that's, that's a fair the- point. Fair point. Okay. Um, we talked about financials. We obviously did talk about management. Is there anything else you want to, you want to mention here in the management section, Hari? Yeah, I think these guys are overpaid. So, um, you know, they've done nothing. They've, the stock has lost 25% of its value in since 2015. Um, and, the CEO got $25 million. I'm like, well, you did nothing. So why did you get $25 million? Um, you know, he got a, a restricted stock. I mean, they actually list, you know, in the proxy, they actually say what the company uh, does the bonus based on. He has a base salary of a million dollars, which is, you know, not terrible, not overpriced for a CEO of a major company. His he should have gotten nothing for his stock uh, as a stock award, right? He should have gotten nothing for performance bonus. You know they they set the threshold for getting a bonus at negative three percent growth. What? Yeah. So if he got anything above negative three percent, he got um, granted stock. <laughs> so I'm like, no, that's not the the bar. If the bar is negative growth. I mean, how do I, how do I, what's the story there? I mean, that's really interesting. I've never seen a threshold set at negative. Well, because the growth was maybe the growth the year before or two years before was so much a negative. It's, it's based on EBITDA too. So, you know, that there's, as we've said, if anybody tells you EBITDA, then you should just say BS, right? That's the kind (laughs) of, um, uh, thinking that should go into that. And, you know, I, like I said, I, I have nothing to, um, to really say about this company other than if you don't get close to the average return on your stock, then you don't get a bonus, right? A bonus is for people who do above and beyond. The CEO could have slept in his office for a year and done nothing and the company would have been fine. You know, I, yeah. I, I don't I don't see how this warrants it. So, I mean, I, I, yeah. you, I, I feel like, the, you know, I'm, I'm beating a dead horse here, right? There's just a lot of problems with this company. And this is the classic kind of thing that, you know, if if I had beaten the market or I had done very well as a, as a large corporation, fine, pay the guy, right? 
but he did nothing. And so he deserves nothing, <laughs> right? Give him his base salary and say, you know, thanks. And that's it. <laughs> I love the, I love the candor of Hari. Can't get, can't get enough. <laughs> he got a 1.6. He already owns 1.6 million shares. So, you know, they mm. gave him a $25 million worth of in 2018 alone. So mm. again, I'm not, I have no, nothing to say here. Like, if you already haven't heard, I'm already irritated with this company. And then, <laughs> and then you get, you know, you get the guy gets whatever he wants as a CEO because most of these companies, the way that it works is the CEO will appoint his friends to the board, then the board of will course. scratch his back. So everybody gets what they want, you know, that kind of thing. And it's nonsense, right? I mean, it's, it's a nonsense. systemic problem, not just with this company, but yeah. a lot of corporate America. Yeah. And so sure. anytime you find businesses that are doing that, just walk away, you know? So, I, you know, this guy's going to um, collect as much money as he can before the sinking ship falls. And it's going to be at shareholder expense. And at it, that's what yep. it is. Yeah. Not to mention all the employees that work for him um, as yeah. well. Yeah. All the executives, too. Yep, for sure. Okay. Um, so anything else on the management? Uh, should we move on to valuation? I think we should stop because... Honestly, valuation, why bother, right? I mean, we can do a discounted free cash flow. We can look at it. It's an academic exercise at this point, right? This is a bad company. It is a business that I wouldn't want to put my money into. I'm going to guarantee myself a, a losing proposition, right? I'm catching a falling knife at this point, right? Yeah. And I, yeah. I'm not comfortable with trying to say... Is it $30 or is it $50 or is it $70? What is the value here? Um, when, you know, they have a giant debt load, um, the CEO is exiting to be, you know, go get, um, be a partner at his other company. He failed miserably at what he did. You know, the comp the stock has declined by 25% during his tenure. Um, you know, while the S&P 500, I guarantee you, has gone up more than negative 25%. So what was the value of this guy again? He should, he owes the company probably, sure. you know, $25 million a year. Sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This was an interesting journey into Kraft Heinz. You know, you would have never thought that, uh, you know, this company is in so much trouble if you didn't listen to the value investor podcast. So <laughs> keep tuning in, uh, please. Uh, this, um, you know, this, your listenership uh, helps us a lot and, uh, and, um, you know, it, it definitely keeps us going. Um, okay. Um, anything else? I know we're kind of belab belaboring the point, um, for Kraft Heinz. I think, uh, it's pretty clear messaging, uh, on Kraft Heinz from us. Um, the last, 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 last word, Hari. No, I, yeah. I mean, if you want to hear, Hari complain about terrible businesses and keep <laughs> keep uh tuning in and suggest more terrible businesses for us to complain about. Uh and oh, you can man. do that on Slack or uh find it on uh, send us an email info at valueinvestor.org. Yeah. Yeah, please uh send us an email at info at valueinvestor.org for a checklist or any uh you know any companies that you would want us to cover in the next episodes. 
And uh, as I mentioned up front, if you guys want to join our Slack channel, uh, uh, email us at info at valueinvestor.org as well. Uh, Slack channel, for those of you who don't know, uh, it's a messaging community where you can message us directly, share messages, uh, send messages to each other, our listeners, uh, share interesting articles, propose topics that we should discuss in the next episodes, uh, things like that. We're just really trying to make um, our community of listeners uh, more more tight-knit so that we can we can build this community together and also for for you guys to suggest topics so that you know we can create content that's suitable uh for you guys so thanks uh thanks again for joining us uh on this podcast uh the craft Heinz podcast it was interesting uh, uh it was an interesting journey um thanks hari and uh we'll see you guys in the next episode yeah thank you thanks Thank you.